0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Locked On Wolves. Today on the show, get you ready for Game Five in Memphis on Tuesday night. I want to talk about Jordan McLaughlin. His presence was absolutely felt in Game Four after getting a DNP CD in Game Three. We'll talk about how the Timberwolves need to continue using him in this series. Also, so let's talk about the free throw "quote unquote" disparity fouling on both sides and then also some numbers from the paint numbers in terms of elbow touches, break down the series here through four games to get you ready for game five on Tuesday night. Welcome in. You are locked on Wolves. You are locked on Timberwolves. Your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast. Part of the locked on podcast network. Your team every day. Hello, welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Happy game day. Game five of Wolves and Grizzlies is this evening. We're going to get to that here in just a minute. First of all, a big thank you for making Locked On Wolves your first listen every day. Of course, Locked On Wolves is free and available everywhere. That includes YouTube, as well as all of your favorite audio platforms, Apple, Google, Spotify, and of course, our friends at Odyssey. Anywhere you listen to podcasts, you can find this show you can also follow on Twitter, at Wolves and also at BBeacon. That's my account with two Bs, two Es, EN. All right, so Game 5's tonight. We're going to get you ready for that game, talk about a couple of things through the lens of what we learned in Game 4 compared to the rest of the series. If you missed the live postcast from Game 4 on Saturday, that's on the feed, as well as Monday's show, which was a little bit more of an in-depth breakdown about that game, going in-depth on a couple of my key takeaways Today, what I want to do is I want to talk about specifically Carl Anthony Towns. I talked a lot about what the Wolves did differently with him on the uh, on, on Monday's show. I want to talk a little bit about what, what are the Grizzlies doing in their front court? What are they going to try and do in game five and how the Wolves could prepare for that? And then I want to get into some stats. I want to get into the free throw uh, quote-unquote disparity that we're hearing about from the Grizzlies. The uh, the personal fouls call on both teams, but then also elbow touches, paint touches, uh, shooting percentages, things that, you know, we're obviously still a small sample size. We're talking about four games, but it's the playoffs. So in terms of playoff series, four games, we've learned a little bit now in this series. We've seen both teams make adjustments, mini adjustments, counter adjustments back and forth. Where do we sit now going to game five? What, what means, what's meaningful from from the box scores over the first four games. Uh, So we're going to do all that on the show here today. First, let's start with the Carl Anthony Towns conversation. So uh, if you you missed the full breakdown, go back and listen to Monday's show. I I spent quite a bit of time talking about how uh, the Cliff Notes are After doing a really poor job of getting Towns involved on Thursday when he scored eight points, shot a career low playoff or regular season four field goal attempts in that game. The game three debacle, the collapse, uh, the multiple collapse effort, if you will, uh, that's uh, I guess if that's the way to put it on Thursday in the loss to 33 points on Saturday in a very uh, impressive and relatively efficient, you know, minus those turnovers that most of those coming in the first quarter for Towns, a really good performance on Saturday. The Wolves actually used him differently, right? They used him more at the top of the key, they used him more at the elbows, at the nail, but really in the middle of the floor where it's very difficult to double team. They also went faster, whether that was even a couple of low post opportunities, perimeter touches. Towns being really dynamic in secondary in secondary break action. Uh, They did some more things with false action on the weak side away from the ball to try and distract the defense and get advantageous matchups for Towns so he could get the ball. And again, make a quick decision, beat single coverage on the perimeter, because in a face up situation, Towns is going to beat nine out of 10 guys. They're going to try and guard him on the perimeter. The question is, can he then make the right decision if a help defender comes in to steps in to try and take a charge? Can he make the right decision when he gets to the rim, not use the off-arm, you know, not use the off-arm when he's driving? He doesn't need to. He can usually get, he's long enough with long enough strides and athletic enough to beat most guys to the rim that are guarding him on the perimeter. All that was much improved in game four. If I'm the Grizzlies, I mean, there's a couple of issues, right? Obviously, number one, Jaron Jackson Jr.'s foul trouble. Uh, I mean, if you're a Timberwolves fan, you're listening to this, you, you know the song, uh, the song and dance when it comes to Towns foul, foul trouble. Jaron Jackson Jr.'s like that, but, but worse. I mean, he, had, he played 23 minutes and fouled out in game four. I believe he played 25 or 26 in game three and fouled out. It's been an ongoing issue, even worse than it is with Towns. He's got to stay on the floor if the Grizzlies are going to slow down Towns and, and the Timberwolves' high-powered offense. They keep, they've started Xavier Tillman the last two games, Steven Adams, of course, started the first game, played 24 minutes. Second game he started, played only three minutes. Tillman started the last two games. He only played 16 minutes, picked up five fouls himself, and was mostly ineffective on both ends of the floor in game four uh, on Saturday. Brandon Clark's been great off the bench. You might remember the Timberwolves' first win over, or excuse me, first loss to the Grizzlies this season way back in, I think it was late October, last week of October, or first week of November, somewhere around there. The Wolves, remember, had a double-digit lead. I think it was 12 or 13 points going to the fourth quarter over Memphis in Memphis Brandon Clark had a monster I think it was the third quarter it was it was either third or fourth quarter I think it was third quarter Clark came off the bench had a huge third quarter for for Memphis basically carried them to a win he had like 20 something and nine or something crazy um that completely unexpected Brandon Clark is a really good player he's a fantastic rebounder a fantastic offensive rebounder very athletic um you know he he's long um and has been more effective against the Timberwolves this year than Xavier Tillman and Clark played 29 minutes. I mean, he was what? He was fourth on the Grizzlies in minutes. But I think they need to use even more Brandon Clark. If I am Memphis, Brandon Clark is the biggest matchup problem because he's he's a better, I think he's a more impactful rebounder and defender in a lot, in a lot of instances than Jared Vanderbilt. I think there's some similarities there. Um, he's a very switchable defender. You pair him with Jaron Jackson Jr. and the perimeter becomes a really, uh, it becomes less, advantageous for the Timberwolves to run pick and rolls to pick and roll you to death with Towns and D'Angelo Russell or Edwards and D'Angelo Russell or Edwards and Towns. Um, if you have switchable guys like Jaron Jackson Jr. and Brandon Clark, they've both done better defensively than Xavier Tillman, obviously better than Steven Adams. I mean, Adams came back after not playing in game three, He played four minutes off the bench on Saturday and was a minus five in those four minutes. If I'm the Grizzlies, I do as much Brandon Clark and Jaron Jackson Jr. as foul trouble will allow me to to try and defend the Timberwolves on the perimeter, and also either one of those guys. And in my opinion, Clark has the best chance of guarding Towns one on one. Jaren Jackson Jr. is going to get into foul trouble if he's guarding Towns one on one. You can get away with Clark guarding him, and then bringing Jaron Jackson Jr. Or Dylan Brooks as the help, which we've seen them do in post up situations where one comes from the backside, they try and force him baseline and put him in a in a bad way, and that's often worked for them. Um, they got away from it a little bit. And again, the wolves use towns more essentially between the elbows extended, right. Um, extended up towards, towards center court, basically the, the very middle of the floor. Uh, think of the lane. If the, if the paint went all the way from under the basket to center court, keep towns in there and they can't really double him if he's above the free throw line, right. If he's above the free throw line, um, or around the elbows you can't double team him effectively and that's where he's been most effective uh in this playoffs and really throughout the season and then also face-up situations on the perimeter again it becomes tenuous if you've got clark or jaron jackson somebody a bigger player who can move their feet uh could be a little bit scary in terms of towns picking up offensive fouls but it's a much better situation there and he's more likely to get fouled and go to the line he attempted 17 free throws um in 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 game four on saturday that's a better spot for him to be than on the low block against a swarming, effective, long, athletic, young, defensive team. Uh The, the better spot to have him is in the middle of the four. And again, in game three, the Wolves actually failed to get him the ball when they had multiple opportunities to do so in that game when they were busy getting rolled on a 50 to 15 run uh, by the Grizzlies from the late third quarter through the end of the game. Town simply didn't get enough touches and, and that needs to change. It did on Saturday, but it needs to stay the way that it was on Saturday. The Timberwolves need to it's crazy that we need to say this, but Towns needs to be the focal point of the game plan. Edwards and D'Lo and hopefully Malik Beasley comes to the party this time around. These guys can fill in around Towns as long as everything flows through Towns. Okay, next I want to talk some stats. And I do want to talk about the foul stuff a little bit. I want to talk about paint touches. I want to talk about elbow touches. And then I want to get to Jordan McLaughlin. I like think all those are really important things to highlight here as we get into game five on Tuesday. First, though, let's talk about our friends over at Prize Picks. NBA fans, are you looking for a daily fantasy option for the NBA? Then you need to try the award winning app Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. I absolutely love it. And I know you will too. It's super easy to use as far as daily fantasy goes. You just pick two to five players and an over under on their projections, and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. And it's just you versus the projected numbers. You're not going against DFS pros or anything like that. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It really is that easy. It's safe and offers fast withdrawals. You can find the app on both the app store and Google play. Uh, Basically the way it works is you just pick any prop you can think of on prize picks. You can choose points scored, rebounds, even steals. You can do mixed sport entries. So if the twins are playing the same night as the Timberwolves, which they are on Tuesday, you could take Byron Buxton over on home runs because why wouldn't you at this point? You could take Carl Anthony Towns over on points or rebounds or Anthony Edwards over on field goals made or whatever. Um, and you can combine the two across sports. You can do NBA, obviously MLB. When we get to football season. You could do college football, NFL. You can always do soccer, MMA, et cetera. For a limited time now, Prize Picks has an exclusive no-brainer of an offer for all of our listeners Our listeners get $50 for free if a player in your first prize picks entry scores a single point, but you must use code NBA. That's right. This is an exclusive offer available to lockdown listeners only. Sign up today and use the code NBA $50 for free if a player in your first prize picks entry scores a single point. All right, another thank you for making Locked On Wolves your first listen every day. A reminder about Locked On Sports Minnesota. Locked On Sports Minnesota is a brand new, uh, a brand new channel. Uh, there's the podcast feed. There's also the YouTube channel. We go live after every Timberwolves playoff game. So the postcast, we'll do it again Tuesday. Myself and, and Chalenga from Zone Coverage in the C and D NBA podcast. We go live to talk Wolves for ten to twelve minutes. Really, you know, about ten minutes following the final horn. We'll talk 10, 12 minutes live. That's over on Lockdown Sports Minnesota. And then we also post that over on our audio feed here for Lockdown Wolves. But all the Wolves uh, Lockdown local channels are doing this. Lockdown Twins currently, Lockdown Wild, of course, and then when in season uh, Vikings and uh, Gophers will be doing postcasts as well. So be sure to check out Lockdown Sports Minnesota on YouTube and also wherever you listen to your podcasts. All right, Uh, let's talk about, let's talk free throws first. So no doubt. At this point, you've heard the postgame comments mostly by Taylor Jenkins, but also John Rant and some other Grizzlies players complaining about the officiating in game four. And yeah, the Timberwolves got called for 10 less fouls, I guess, than the Grizzlies. And the Timberwolves attempted 15 more free throws than the Grizzlies. This is all true. However, in game one, John Rant attempted 20 free throws. The Grizzlies attempted, I think it was like 16 more free throws. I think it was like 47 to 23, or sorry, 43 to 27 or something. And uh, the Wolves still won game one despite the Grizzlies' advantage in terms of uh, free throw differential. I said this after game one. The Wolves lost the turnover battle and the free throw battle, and yet won game one fairly easily at Memphis. That wasn't going to happen again. But um, for the series, of course, the Timberwolves have been called for more fouls. The Grizzlies have attempted more free throws. I don't think this can be lost in the discussion. I don't think we can completely you know, ignore that. Um, Let's actually let's let's quickly look at those numbers. So in terms of all 16 playoff teams through play on Sunday. So four games for all these teams, except for uh, except for actually, no, it's updated now. I have the numbers updated now through the Boston Celtics sweep of the Brooklyn Nets. So through every team playing four playoff games. At this moment, the Memphis Grizzlies have more free throw attempts per game than any other team by a lot. They have three more free throw attempts per game than the next highest team, and that's the New Orleans Pelicans. There are actually three teams tied with 29 and something free throw attempts per game. The Pelicans, Timberwolves, and Jazz. Nobody else is close. The Grizzlies are way ahead of everybody else in terms of free throw attempts per game. You also want to talk about personal fouls called against. No surprise, the Timberwolves are number one, 27.8 personal fouls per game, a full 1.8 more than Denver. Um, of course, that means that the Grizzlies have overall drawn the most fouls. So, I don't know. I don't, I think that those Memphis complaints are falling on fairly deaf ears. Uh, the officiating wasn't great in game four. It also wasn't good in games one and two. And game three was the best officiated game, in my opinion. Uh, but I don't think the officiating was heavy-handed in the Wolves' favor. I think it was just bad officiating overall. Uh, the games have been over-officiated. When, in terms of personal fouls per game, the Wolves are, are are have committed the most fouls per game in the playoffs. The Grizzlies have committed the 12th, excuse me, the fifth most personal fouls per game. So two of the five most... Uh, Fouling teams, I guess, or teams with the highest propensity to foul, are the Timberwolves and Grizzlies. It says a lot about the officials in this series, and also, obviously, different officials each game. But the officiating crews, and then also the two teams, Timberwolves and Grizzlies, are both prone to fouling anyway. They both like to try and get to the free throw line as much as possible, um, well, every team does. But you know what I'm saying? They they generally speaking, especially the Grizzlies, are in the paint a lot, trying to get to the line. Well, that's happened in the playoffs. So uh, the, the complaints are a little bit much. And also, I, I noted this on Twitter. Just make your free throws when you get there, and that's going to help quite a bit. The Grizzlies are, uh, let me find the free throw percentage here. They're 14th out of 16 playoff teams in terms of free throw percentage in the playoffs thus far, 73.3%. For the season, they were 73.4% from the line, which was 28th in the league. Only two teams were worse in terms of free throw percentage. And uh, I don't know. Think about how much better your offense would be if you made free throws at a higher clip. In fact, the Wolves have averaged more free throws made at the line than the Grizzlies in this series because the the Wolves are shooting 82%, the Grizzlies are shooting 73%. So despite the Grizzlies shooting 3.3 more free throws per game, the Wolves are actually making 0.3 free throws more per game because they're just making their free throws. So that would go a long way if you're Memphis, just a thought. Um, In terms of paint touches, Memphis, however, is dominating the Timberwolves. Paint touches per game, Memphis is 4th. In the playoffs, the 22.8 paint touches per game. The Wolves are pretty middle of the pack or a little bit worse than middle of the pack. 18.5 paint touches per game. And then also free throw percentage in the paint. Memphis is absolutely, excuse me, field goal percentage in the paint. Not free throw percentage. Far and away, the the playoffs best performing team in terms of paint field goal percentage. 82.4% on paint touches for Memphis. Uh, or I should say shots generated from paint touches. The Timberwolves are 57.9%. So the Wolves are the fifth worst team in the playoffs. The Grizzlies are the best team in the playoffs for paint field goal percentage. Um, and that is uh, nearly six points better than Dallas, who's the second best team, again, through, uh, I guess, before game five stats are final from, uh, from Monday night um, from Dallas and Utah. So the paint is an area the Timberwolves are getting dominated in. That's no surprise. That's what Memphis does, right? They led the league in scoring in the paint during the season. Obviously, John Morant, Brandon Clark does his work on the offensive glass. Steven Adams, when, when he's playing, uh, to a lesser extent, you have guys like uh, you know, Jaron Jackson Jr. and some of the Xavier Tillman, guys that get some run. And Dylan Brooks is good at getting to the paint, getting to the line as well. Desmond Baines more on the perimeter. But they've got a number of guys that can score in the paint, whether it's on offensive rebounds or dribble penetration. That's their game. Uh, that's what Memphis is trying to do. And they're having their way for the most part. I mean, outside of those stretches of Carl Anthony Towns' first quarter in game three, it was really good. It had like four blocks in the first quarter. Uh, that was great. Uh, besides that, I mean, the Wolves haven't had much success in terms of protecting the paint, which is worrisome, to be sure. Um, I also want to talk about elbow touches, though. Um, and elbow touches is is one of the things that I, I talk quite a bit about on Monday's show, and that is that's the way to attack Memphis's defense is go through the elbows. The Timberwolves are middle of the pack in the league uh, or across the playoffs, I should say. They're 10th out of 16 playoff teams in terms of elbow touches per game, 8.3 elbow touches per game. However, they have the second best field goal percentage on possessions generated from elbow touches, 72.7%. So when they get the ball to the elbow, they're having success, which without pulling the stats, I could have told you that. The eye test would tell you that. No doubt you've noticed it if the Wolves get the ball to the elbow, flow the offense through the elbows, um, they're having a lot more success. They just are. Flow the offense through Towns in the middle of the floor, have cutters, Anthony Edwards, Jaden McDaniels, if he can stay out of foul trouble, Malik Beasley, if he can be effective. Um, You know, D'Angelo Russell's actually not a bad cutter, given how his, his athletic challenges, which sounds bad, but he's just a lot less athletic than the other three guys I just mentioned, but he's not a bad cutter when he gets the opportunity. Um, if the Timberwolves can just play through Towns in the middle of the floor, they'll be in a much, much better spot. And these numbers only serve to underscore that. Okay, let's talk about Jordan McLaughlin. And, and I shouldn't have left him for last, uh, you know, last but not least, certainly Jordan McLaughlin. I want to talk about his effect on this series, why I think he is so important in game five and, and why I think it's hilarious almost in a, in a kind of a sad way that Chris Finch kind of keeps forgetting about Jordan McLaughlin, forgetting to get him into the game. He's not actually forgetting, but you know what I mean? It just doesn't happen. And then every time he plays, he's like, oh, man, this guy's really good. And Finch recognizes that this this guy needs to play more. Um, And he's been at times much maligned. I didn't believe much in Jordan McLaughlin earlier in his career, even earlier this season. But alas, he was huge in game four. Credit where credit is due. I want to talk about that here next. First, though, let's talk about our friends over at betonline.net. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting stats and sports info. You can find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's basketball playoffs, plus the start of the MLB season. Also, uh, incidentally, the Timberwolves are six-point underdogs on BetOnline.net as of this recording uh, versus Memphis in Game 5 on Tuesday, which is about what I expected. I thought it might be five, five five-and-a-half points. The Wolves were seven-point underdogs in Game 3 which actually I think it both Or sorry, game two. I think it both road games that one game was seven, one was seven and a half. They've got that down to six now on the road for game five in Memphis. So we'll see, Uh, obviously the Wolves uh, more than covered in game one and then fell apart in game two and did not. And then of course, uh, didn't manage to cover at home uh, in game three either and that collapse. Uh, BetOnline.net is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information from live betting to playoffs, eSports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, let's talk about Jordan McLaughlin. So, Jordan McLaughlin wasn't in the rotation for the first couple of months of the season. Um, he finally is on a real NBA deal. First year, not on a two way contract, kind of the forgotten man. And, and you know, this series is really interesting because of the, the full circleness of Tyus Jones being from Minnesota, playing at Apple Valley. Everyone knows the story. He was traded for on draft night by Flip Saunders, the same draft that Carl Anthony Towns was taken first overall. Saunders trades for Tyus Jones on draft night. And he eventually leaves in restricted free agency, goes to Memphis shortly after Gerson Rosas takes the job in Minnesota, and he continues to be a, a plus-minus darling, a net rating darling, uh, one of the best in the league in terms of assist-to-turnover ratio since he came to the league, really, Tyus has been. He's blossomed into a plus-three-point shooter, which was uh, 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 one of the areas of his game that he really struggled in when he came to the NBA initially. Tyus shows a good three-point shooter now, and... He's been really, really good. I I think certainly an argument can be made. He's the best backup point guard in the league. And Jordan McLaughlin is the guy that eventually replaced him. Now, since Tyus Jones left, you know, there's been others that have been through. Um, Obviously, Jeff Teague was still on the roster initially. Ricky Rubio was on the team last year. Um, And, you know, Shabazz Napier was a backup point guard a couple of years ago. And Teague was the starter at the beginning of the season, which feels like ages ago. But it was like two years ago, Um, as weird as that is. Uh, But now Jordan McLaughlin ended up being the guy because the Wolves couldn't, frankly, afford anybody else to be their backup point guard. They liked McLaughlin. He played really well last year in stretches. He played pretty well as a rookie in stretches on a two-way deal. And now he ends up being the backup. The thought was, hey, Patrick, Beverly be the main backup. Well, Beverly ended up being a starter. He can't play super heavy minutes. So it's Russell, it's Beverly in the starting lineup. McLaughlin's your de facto backup point guard for a stretch. Jalen Noel did some of that. In the playoffs, so you need somebody that can defend in the half court. You need someone that cannot turn the ball over, someone that can still push in transition and still knock down open threes, which is a big question mark. McLaughlin struggled from beyond the arc. He really struggled to start the season on three-point attempts. And he was kind of on the fringe of the rotation. I didn't know whether or not he'd be in the playoff rotation. In game one, he played nine minutes, didn't really do anything. He had three. He did have three assists. He played some strong defense. He missed his only shot attempt, didn't score. Game two, which was the bad loss, he ended up playing 17 minutes because of the nature of the game. Had four points, four rebounds, four assists, no turnovers. So through two appearances, 26 minutes or so, he had seven assists, no turnovers, but he only squeezed the trigger three times, which is kind of his MO. Doesn't play in game three, which of course is the collapse, the loss to Memphis. uh, And I mean, that was as much game script. The Wolves got way up. They wanted to keep doing what they were doing. And then by the time and it got way up again. And then it was like, at this point, we're just trying to hang on. We need scoring. The Wolves offense couldn't get going. So at that point, this is a, to borrow a football term, game script, right? The, the game, the flow of the game didn't allow, uh, didn't allow Finch to get McLaughlin back in the game. Now he could have, but I, I'm sure that what was going through his head is we're struggling to score. We're already up by a lot. We just got to score a few more points and outscore them the rest of the game. Thinking back on it, McLaughlin could have disrupted things in terms of Memphis's offense when they were getting comfortable and during that comeback. Long story short, Jordan uh, McLaughlin doesn't play in game three and the Timberwolves lose. Game four, Chris Finch realizes, hey, I got to get this guy on the floor more often. Would, this is not the first time that's happened this year, by the way, where where Jordan McLaughlin's found himself out of the rotation, eventually found himself back in and then Chris Finch goes, huh, should, that shouldn't have happened. He should, be, he should always be playing. We're better when he's on the floor. His quote after the game, Chris Finch uh, was asked about playing McLaughlin in game four after not playing in game three. The direct quote from Chris Finch was, quote, sometimes you do stupid things, which is just a great quote in general um, about really anything ever. I think that it's a pretty good, a pretty good quote for, for almost any any area of life. But I mean, yeah. I, he owned up to it, right? He said, hey, look, we're better with Jordan McLaughlin on the floor than we are with him on the bench in general. Obviously, uh, there's, there's uh would be a point of diminishing returns, I'm sure. But, I mean, Jordan McLaughlin in game four was a literal game saver for the Wolves. In 14 minutes, he scored 16 points on just six shots, a perfect 4-4 outside the arc, made both of his free throw attempts, two assists, two steals, two rebounds. He, had, he did have two turnovers. But now we're talking... Through three playoff games, you're talking uh, 40 minutes. Is that right? Yeah, 40 minutes of play, 20 points, nine assists, just two turnovers, six rebounds, two steals. Really, really good defensively. And Memphis has been playing more of Tyus Jones and John Morant together. The Timberwolves briefly countered at the beginning of the fourth quarter in game four with three point guards. D'Angelo Russell, or three guard, three small guards. Bevers is not really a point guard, but... Jordan McLaughlin, Patrick Beverly, D'Angelo Russell, all on the floor together. You don't want to do that for long, but you can do it against a Tyus-John Morant lineup as long as you're defending. You have some size with D'Lo, some length with Beverly, some activity and defensive IQ and effort with Jordan McLaughlin. It's it's a really interesting trio of players that you can get away with playing together. Jordan McLaughlin, if he's making three-pointers, if he's knocking down open shots and playing with confidence, he is the perfect backup point guard for the playoffs. He's a very different player. This is a a bad comparison but it popped in my head so I'm gonna say it anyway the very different version of what J.J. Barea was for the Dallas Mavericks like a decade ago actually more than that and what yeah, yeah it was like 11 or 12 years ago when J.J. Barea came out of nowhere undrafted guy nobody knew who he was he's even smaller than Jordan McLaughlin I think by a couple inches and all offense very little defense but at the time he was this he was literally like this uh uh like a gnat, right? Like defensively, he wouldn't leave you alone. He was all over the place. He was a, a little bit of a better shooter than Jordan McLaughlin. Got into the paint a little bit, a little bit more at that point in Brea's career. Uh, but McLaughlin does a lot of those same things. He's just better defensively, not quite as good of an off of a, of a shooter. But he won't turn the ball over as much as Brea did. I mean, there's some similarities in the diminutive, undrafted backup point guard who pops in out of nowhere and has a massive impact in a pivotal game. We could be talking about if he does the same thing in, you know, the Wolves steal a win in game five in Memphis. I mean, hey, uh, Jordan McLaughlin quickly becomes one of the heroes of this series. And one of the more uh, I don't know, under the radar stories. I don't think anyone nationally is talking about Jordan McLaughlin. There's some Jade McDaniels love after game one, and rightfully so. There's obviously been Towns and Edwards and talking, you know, where's D been in three of the four games? But no one nationally is talking about Jordan McLaughlin. Uh He's going to become a name that people recognize if he can do this a couple more times. I, I'm not expecting him to be 100% from three-point range moving forward, but if he does basically what he did in game four and gets that opportunity, um, the Timberwolves need his perimeter defense. They need his professionalism with the ball in his hands. As long as he can knock down open threes, he's got a spot in this rotation for the duration of the playoffs. He should, at least. Okay. Following the game Tuesday, we will do a live postcast. Of course, it will be live on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota YouTube channel. Please go subscribe. Check out all the great postcasts, uh, all the great, really, videos, podcasts, all the shows that are happening over there. But the live postcast for each sports-specific Lockdown show will be on that channel. We'll post it here on the audio feed for Lockdown Wolves as well. And then we'll do a regular full show for Wednesday, which will post late Tuesday following game five after the postcast. The postcast will go up first. Followed by the full twenty-five or thirty-minute Lockdown Wolves podcast, and that will be on our YouTube channel here at Lockdown Wolves, as well as all the audio channels per usual. All right, that's all we have for you today here on the show. Thanks again for listening, and thanks again for making us your first listen every day. Of course, the show is free and available everywhere, including YouTube, as well as all of your favorite audio platforms. You can also follow on Twitter at t Wolves and at B Beacon with two Bs, two Es, CK. Locked on Wolves, of course, is part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Remember, the Locked On Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. Also, a reminder, you can make your second listen, the Locked On NBA show. Uh, it's for the first jump ball, to play-in tournament to the last possession of the finals. Locked On experts take you deep inside the playoffs with insight and analysis affecting all 30 teams. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Locked On Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.